Hi, and welcome to this episode of Hope and Struggle. My name is Mindy Lawhorn. Welcome. Hey, sweet friends and family. I come to you with a weary but full heart. God has once again done something, and I, I don't even know how to begin this recording because I don't want you to ever come here and think, oh, great, what's the next thing that happened to her? But God has allowed some things in my life, and I'm sure that God will allow things in, you know, all of our lives at some point. But my mom, of almost 83 years, has transitioned into heaven. I don't want to be the grief girl. I don't want to be the girl that helps you get through loss. But what if that's exactly what God wants me to do right now? What if that's a version of the ministry He has in mind for me? Because this is the current season. As I step into this podcast, I want you to take a deep breath. And whether you're working out right now, and I hope you are, or you're sitting in your car driving or possibly in traffic, or maybe you're at home and you're working or maybe you're folding clothes. And by the way, I love to listen to podcasts when I'm doing something else. I don't know if it's my very, you know, kind of hyperactive ways, but it has a way of helping me focus. And maybe it's just you driving, but I like to listen to podcasts as I'm folding clothes or as I'm doing the dishes or I mean, my boys do the dishes most of the time, but sometimes cooking or whatever. And I just want to encourage you to do that because I think sometimes some of us think, well, I want to listen to this audiobook or this podcast or this series. And we think we have to kind of go be still and sit down. And I mean, that's not necessarily true. And I'm sure not everyone thinks of it like that. But I just want for this podcast to be uplifting to you and encourage you and give you hope. And maybe, you know, just maybe um, some ideas on how you can get through things and how you can even have joy and anything how you can find humor in what may be, you know, the non, the least funny or, you know, saddest situations. Because I think that God uses that and he can give us perspective. So I say all that to you because I want to share with you a little bit about my mom. I'm going to share a little bit, little bit with you about what happened. And then I want to share with you how her service went. And I'm going to call it a celebration of life. Because the word funeral just, you know, I get a visual in my head of like a casket or or like an urn or something. And by the way, how everyone does death is quite different. And we're allowed to do it in whatever way we find important, whatever way we need to go through that. So when I share with you what we did, please know this is what my family agreed on. And this is what we feel is the most glorifying to God and the most glorifying to my mom, honoring to her, and what we feel was the most important. So my mom died um, almost on her 83rd birthday. She's, she passed away about five weeks before her 83rd birthday. And, and, and I spoke at her uh, celebration, and that was my opening line. My opening line was, you know, my mom told me she would die around her 83rd birthday, when I asked her why, she said, because my grandmother and my aunt died around then. You know, and like, it's funny because like, that's all she needed. That was her medical, you know, proof. And I was like, mom, I don't know that that's 
how it works. She goes, nope, that's how I know. And by the way, she did, but she was five weeks early, right? And I joked that it was the first time she was ever early for anything in her life. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mom was notoriously late. Like, my mom was late in such a fashion that she made it look like it was everyone else's fault and their error for being early. Like, she just was always late, right? And um, I started out like that. And you may think, oh my gosh, that was disrespectful. Nope, 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 it wasn't. Because the same person who gave me that kind of humor that would say the same thing, she was the person we were celebrating. So a, a little bit of logistics. In 2016 and in 2019, two separate occasions, my mom was found unconscious or, or, or unresponsive in her house. And uh, we, we kind of never figured out why. And the first time we, she just like slept and slept and slept and no one could figure out what was going on. And she had brain activity, you know, and everything in 2016, which was, you know, I mean, gosh, close to 10 years ago. And they did some stuff. We transferred her to hospitals. And, and finally, she, she came out of it. And we were just like, what the heck? You know, and she was like, what are y'all doing? Like, she came out, like, opened her eyes and was like, what are y'all doing? And I'm like, what? And she was, you know, basically in this coma. And no one put her in a coma. She was in this coma, I mean, for probably, gosh, 10 days, right? Well, then it happened again in 2019. Uh, this time she had to be intubated. She, I, I can't even remember why we intubated her at this point, but we were just like, what in the heck is, you know, happening? And why does this keep happening? And um, through some things the doctors did and medicines they gave her, and we we switched doctors and like, you know, it, it, can you know can she survive? And they're like, everything is working fine, you know, brain function and her heart and she's breathing, but we want to protect her airway in case she has a seizure. She, she had none uh, on record at that point, but she had had some small strokes, but nothing that gave her any particular weakness on one side. And so it's just really like this weird phenomenon, right? Well, we took her from there in 2019 to like an acute rehab hospital where she literally had to kind of relearn to do everything. And by the way, you know, she wasn't right mentally. She slowly got better and better and better mentally. And, and I do think now looking back that each time her brain had gotten damaged, which I can only imagine. And, and by the way, they never proved what happened. They never figured it out. There was sort of an autoimmune thing that they thought could have, you know, happened in. And, and, and the only thing they had really contributed is that she could be having seizures, but we had no proof. She definitely had strokes, but nothing that damaged her enough to, you know, make her have, you know, a limp or her right side where she couldn't use it as well. And um, she went from an acute rehab hospital to another rehab hospital. She, you know, survived and she started, you know, kind of like, living again. It took a really long time. I mean, months and months and months. And then she went back to her home or my brother took care of her for a while. And then that situation just got really bad. And we decided we got to have her close. So we moved her here. All right. So just fast forwarding, giving you a little bit of history. 2019 was the roughest year of my life. It really has been the roughest year of my existence. I never want to repeat it, but that was also the year that Lee was so sick and we were in MD Anderson so often. And we went from or I went from MD Anderson in Houston, driving all the way back to where we live in the Fort Worth area, then driving to Wichita Falls. And if you don't know that much about Texas, from Houston to Wichita Falls is about six hours. So it would be four hours for me to get back 
you know, be mom, take care of the boys. And plus, you know, I had sisters and, and, and friends that were helping me with the boys. And by the way, the boys loved it. I'm sure it was like party time, you know, for them. Mom wasn't there on their, you know, backs the whole time. And then I would have to drive to Wichita Falls to see my mom and what are we doing with her? And then we moved her down here, which minimized at least the driving a bit, but we would still check on her. So we moved her down here in 2019. She didn't want to be here, but she also kind of knew she had no choice. She couldn't drive and she couldn't really take care of herself that much. I mean, she had a really hard time even going to the store. You know what I mean? Like carrying even like one bag was hard. So just, just imagine that, right? So we bring her here and she came to a senior living center and it wasn't an assisted living. It was just a senior living like complex. It was the nicest place she's ever lived. This place was so beautiful and nice and it we paid for it too, but we didn't care and we wanted her somewhere close. And for about the first year, she was mad at us. And for about the first year, she didn't like it at all. And we would each take a day and go see her each, you know, at least one day. Or I would go get her for football games and, you know, uh, the basketball games and stuff. And until she finally kind of made friends. And then we, you know, decreased that just a little bit. All the while, you guys, Lee passed that December. So I just, I'm trying to like set the scene for you. And we were trying to figure our lives out. And Yes, we're still trying to heal you guys, but God, that takes forever. I'm still healing. I don't know if I'll ever truly be healed, but I know that it will take on a different, you know, phase or a different um, perspective or, or, or a different season. Fast forward to about two weeks ago, maybe a little bit more than two weeks ago. We had an ice storm here. I had called mom and her and I were talking back and forth. We would text and there was one day the texts were a little weird. By the way, her texts were always weird, just between you and me. And that's one of the things I spoke about at her celebration. I gave examples of the texts she would send me, and I had to read them in her voice, right? And they were absolutely hysterical. So a weird text from her not only was not that odd, but the fact that she wasn't responding and, you know, wouldn't answer my calls started to worry me. So there was only about, I don't know, not even a full day of me not being able to get her. And so I called her friends and said, can you please go check on her? I think she's probably okay, but she might not have her hearing aids in. Well, they got in her room and it had happened a third time. She was a found unresponsive in her house. Like she was breathing and her eyes were open, but like, it was almost like there was nobody home, you know, kind of. So we got the ambulance there. I met my sister and my brother-in-law came to get me. We went to the hospital and I need to tell you what happened. Um, she was in the ER. I had something happen to me, and like I'm gonna try not to cry, but I, I feel like it's important I share this. Someone at the funeral said something to me that was very impactful and that made me realize, like I kind of tell you guys a lot of things, you know, and I share on here, but I share with a hope to help or encourage. But Shalene and I've had this conversation before that. We never want to make anyone feel bad. You know what I mean? And, and even though I'm the one dealing and I'm the one with all the stuff, it's like, it's just in us. We don't want to make anyone feel bad. You know what I mean? I don't know if you're that kind of person that like, if you have, you see people, you know, you always kind of want to make sure they're okay, you know? And like, if they're at your house, you want to make sure, are you, are you good? Do you want anything to drink? You know, are, are you comfortable? You know, can I get you something to eat or whatever? And it's like that. I think when I teach classes and when I, you know, I used to train forever and I still train, you know, sometimes. But even with the other stuff I do, I think it's just innate in some of us to make sure everybody else is okay. Well, that, I think, tends to cover up a lot of the things we do. Now, I don't think you should walk around with a black cloud, you know, cloud over, 
over your head, like, wah, wah. and you know, oh, poor me. I don't think that's it. I don't think that glorifies God, but I also, and I'm so sorry. I've got the hiccups now, but I also don't think I should cover everything up. You know what I mean? And I don't think that I do, but someone said something to me at the funeral and it was, uh, it was a girl, you know, my age ish. And she, you know, 30, <laughs> um, and, uh, she's like, I just don't know how you do it. Cause you look like you're totally okay. And that you've got everything under control. And I looked at her and I like laughed and I go, nothing could be farther from the truth. I'm not okay. I'm digging. I don't know what I'm digging, but I feel like I have, I have a shovel and I'm digging, um, to do work that I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm just praying and walking through this, holding Jesus's hand. And I don't know. She goes, well, it doesn't look like that. And then a part of me is like, I don't want to let anyone think that I got it under control because I sure as crap don't. I wish I could cuss. And I know I could cuss, but I sure as you know what, don't. Sure as heck don't. But what I do know is that I'm, everything can be used for God's glory. I do, that, I do know that everything can be used for our good. Why? God has done so many things like this. I don't know. So the next thing I want to tell you, I want to be very transparent because I've never in my life had anything happen to me like this. So for instance, um, I think this is what you would call anxiety. I, I don't really have anxiety. I have excitement <laughs> where I feel that thing in my belly a little bit, and, but I just go with it. And to me, that's what makes me excited. And like, like right before I teach a class, right before I speak, it's something. So I felt the same feeling kind of when I stood up in front of everyone to speak at my mom's funeral, but I was so happy to share what I had to share with them because it was going to be flipping funny that it just like went away. Like, like the butterflies weren't like butterflies of fear. They're like butterflies of excitement. Does that make sense? Well, I experienced something drastically different when I went into the ER with my mom. So I'm with my sister, Kimmy. She's my second to oldest sister. They came and got me. It was icy. My brother-in-law drives really well and all that. Plus he likes to drive and all that. And so we get into the ER and I'm not even in the room where my mom is yet, but something happened to me, you guys, and I have never had this happen before. I felt this really tightness in my chest and not like I felt like something was, you know, evil around. It was this tightness, like, like I was having trouble breathing. I kind of fell against this bed thing, which was in the hallway. And I immediately thought I was going to throw up. And I was like, could not like, couldn't kind of calm my breathing. I looked at my sister. I was like, what is happening? And she was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, sat there and I, I like tried to cover it up and tried to pretend it wasn't happening. Right. And so we go in the room and I see my mom and, and this may be too much information, but there's a smell and I don't know what the smell is. And it maybe is because, you know, she was found unconscious and unresponsive and all the things that go with that. And I won't go into the nitty gritty details, but you can imagine and she's in the bed and there's, you know, like doctor trying to, you know, get all her signs and try to figure out, you know, like the basics and they're getting blood work and, you know, trying to make, see if she's stable. And, you know, my mom's just there asleep. She's literally snoring, but it's not a, she's asleep. It's a, she's unconscious. And, and I know this because this is the third time and I'm sitting down and I'm calling my sister. She was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I've never had that happen before. I don't know what's going on. And I was like, for lack of being too, you know, you know, dramatic and too graphic, but he was like choking down, not throwing up. And, and, and my sister was like, and I had, by the way, I had a trip planned and my sister was like, you got to go on the trip. And I'm like, I can't. She goes, Mindy, what are they going to do? We've done this already. They're going to run tests. She's going to be like this until, you know, they do what they did the last couple of times. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't like gra grasp what was going on. Right. I mean, I could grasp what was going on, but I couldn't get a hold of myself. 
And so I like walked out, went to the restroom, like got some water and I composed myself. Right. And, and I was okay from then on out, but I can only presume that would be what called was like kind of a panic attack. And I wasn't panicked. Right. I wasn't scared, but something about that situation threw me for a loop. And then my sister sent me, this was later when I was home. And I mean, like, so my sister left, I had a friend come get me. I stayed with her until late until we got her kind of in a room. Again, she's just sleeping, it seems like. And the nurse goes, wow, she's really sleeping. And I said to the nurse, I said, I don't know how to say this in medical terms, but she's not asleep. She is in some sort of coma. She's done this three times. We need to get her IV. We need to get her all the things. And we need to give her a ton of steroids because that is what's woken her up in the past. And while I'm no doctor, this is the third time that this has happened. So I, you know, no, right? And I went home going, God, what just happened to me? And I realized that, I mean, I have a version of PTSD associated, I'm sure. I mean, I'm no psychotherapist, but this is my version of what I associated with this. And then I thought, why wouldn't I? I have, I married a man with cancer. You know, a good half of our marriage was hospitals and doctors and chemo and hospitals and doctors and chemo, right? And then my mom three times and I'm just like, what in the world? And I think sometimes we think we're healed or we're done and we're over it. And I am sitting there and my sister, who by the way, has taken this kind of in-depth Christian counseling kind of assistant thing. And she's like, Mindy, you, you, you need to go get s- some counseling and some help with this. And I'm like, I think you're right. Because I, I lost myself, you know, almost lost my bleep, you know. And I, I tell you all this because this transferred into a week of her being in the hospital. They ended up intubating her because during, and by the way, I was there and saw this. You don't ever want to see this. They intubated her because they did an EEG just to see, is she having, you know, seizures? Is this a thing? And I watched my tiny little mom, which my mom is very small, have a grandma seizure, which you may be familiar with seizures. Have you ever, if you've ever seen someone have one, you know how horrific it is and how just you feel so helpless because you can do nothing. And I'm watching her have it. And the guy goes, well, there, there it is. There it is. She has seizures. She has seizures and, and lights induce it. And, you know, there's a lot of thoughts on that. And, and, but that was just a fraction of what was going on. And so I left that night and I got a call. And so we're taking her to ICU. We're going to intubate her. And I said, hold on. Why are you intubating her? And they said, well, we're afraid she's going to have another seizure because she had two, technically. And um, we don't want her to, you know, hurt her her breathing. You know, we don't want her to be, you know, so out of it that her breathing is obstructed. And I said, well, hold on. She does not want life support. And the way the lady said it on the line, and and, and believe me, I probably wasn't in my right mind, but she said... Her brain is working, her heart is working, her lungs are working. We don't want her to have another seizure and obstruct and, and, and that to cause it. And it's like, I didn't know what to do. I was, and I'm her power of attorney, I'm, I'm everything. And I was very like torn, but I said, okay, because you know, you, you want hope and you think, okay, well maybe then this will be like the other times and she just needs a little help to get to the next stage. Well, the good news, well, the bad news is, yeah, she, that is sort of life support, right? The good news is she... For the for that week, they allowed it allowed her allowed them to do every single test you can imagine. It allowed them to do 
CAT scans and MRIs, and they did a spinal tap to see if there's a bacterial infection. You know, they did everything, and, and, and they found nothing. And what continued to happen was her brain, her brain capacity, her brain waves, her brain um, kept decreasing. So everything kept decreasing. And, and on the last day, her oxygen was lower. And even though that thing was helping her breathe, it was still lower. And we had to come to grips with what was happening. When I asked the doctor to please share with me one more time exactly what he knew to be true about my mom's situation, he simply stated that her brain functioning had dec decreased considerably. And if she were to come out of it, she would be very confused, if at all very aware. She would need help doing everything. She would never probably sit up again on her own, never walk again, and have to be on the ventilator for the rest of her life. And really have no quality of life type of thing. And I mean, hearing that, while that may be very clear to you when you're hearing that, looking at your mom in this bed, which by the way, not once when she came into the hospital did she ever move again. Not once did she squeeze anyone's hand or there, there were some involuntary movements that we were like, mom, mom, you know, and but nothing that was ever in response to something. And the neurologist would come in every day and, and, and try to get a, elicit a response from her. And you guys, there was just nothing. I mean, nothing. So a part of me thinks maybe God had already taken her and her body was just, you know, still sort of going, you know, while, I don't know, just winding down, going for so many years. But he told me all kinds of things, and she had had two massive strokes at the base of her brain, near her, you know, the uh, the spinal column and the, the brain stem that she would, you know, really not recover from. She also had had seizures. Um, my mom was one of those people that always had the TV on, and, and this may or may not be anything, but this is what the neurologist said could have, you know, been a trigger. It, you know, it was obviously her time, but always, always, always is the TV on. Like I remember waking up at night and going and turning her TV off. And then I would wake up the next morning, it would be on. She, she just was one of those people. She always had it on. And which by the way, she always had a light on and the TV on. Like my house, there ain't no TV on and there is no lights on. I love it dark and quiet. It's funny. All of my, all of my sisters and I are like that, but that's just how my mom was. And so even the neurologist said, you know, there could have been just that right combination on the TV that elicited a stroke. I, I don't really know. But the, the point is, you know, I called my sisters and I said, here's the situation. And they're like, take her off. Take her off. She would hate this. And, and she would. And by the way, so would I. And so I asked for the palliative care team and, you know, hospice to come in. And they said, okay, we'll call them. And then the nurse came back and he said, so you're, you're ready to extubate her? And I said, yes, sir. And he waited, and then about 20 minutes later, he said, I need to talk to you. Come outside. And so I went outside, and he said, you are not going to need the palliative care team. And just, like, paused and looked at me. And, and 
I don't think I'm an unintelligent person, but like it wasn't computing. And I sat there and I'm like, so are you saying that when we extubate her, you think that she will pass quickly? And he said, oh yes, I'm sure of it. And I was like, wow, wow. Um, my dad was in hospice. This was forever ago. He was 58, 59 when he died. My son, Andrew, who's about to be 21, was almost two. That's a whole nother story, but he was in hospice for some time, you know, so that was kind of my experience with hospice. So I called my sisters, called my nieces and nephew, called one of her dear friends at her, you know, the place where she lived, called Renata's, you know, husband, Ronnie. Renata's my sister that passed, you know, years ago. And um, I said, if y'all want to see her, you might want to come up because this is what I've been told. So once we extubated her, I mean, it was less than two hours. And my sister and I and one of our dear friends, her name is Karen, but we call her Flash because she's like the slowest person in the world. And we've gone skiing and snowboarding with her many times. And you just, you could go down like the mountain five times, go back up and go down by, by the time she gets done once. So she has, <laughs> she has the name Flash. And um, she sat in there with us for about an hour. I went downstairs. Everyone had to leave around eight and... I chose to stay, and I, I'm really glad I stayed because, I mean, I left my bag up there because I wanted to go back, and I had the great pleasure of just seeing her breathe her last short breaths and make just a, you know, like a very small, quiet couple of noises, and that was it. And and I'll be honest, I sat there on the sofa, and I had this feeling. This is weird. But I first I was, like, kind of frightened, and I'm like, Mindy, what are you frightened about? She knows Jesus. I know exactly where she either is going or she already is. Which, and then I sat there, I, I kept looking around the room. I'm like, God, show me something if it's your will. Show me. And he chose not to, but. Ah, that woman was funny. She was a mess. And every year she got more and more of a mess. Those of you that maybe caught some of my stories of, with me recording her and me asking her questions and <laughs> and the stuff she said. My mom was very um, pr proud. My mom thought my mom was beautiful, <laughs> which she was. Um, but all the men at her place were all over her, as she would say. I mean, it was just, it got to be so funny, but it's also very hard when you're the caretaker, because the way my mom was, she was appreciative, but yet I never, you know, did anything right. <laughs> and now I can say that with a smile and a laugh because it just, it just was, it just was the nature of my mom. And my mom was a good mom. And what's interesting, I want to read you one thing kind of in closing here, but my, one of my sisters, Kimmy spoke at her celebration. And then my nephew came from um, his church, which he grew up in Texas, and you know he, their heart was to go pastor a church somewhere, and they went of all places to a place called New Bedford, Massachusetts, which is up there in Massachusetts. Like their logo is like a lighthouse on the water, you know. And um, oh my gosh, what God has done in that in their life, and 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 just he is just so anointed, and how he speaks and preaches the word is just, oh, it's just next level, next level. So he came to, to speak and he came to preach and then I spoke, but he was the last one. And none of us talked to each other about what we're going to say. We just wanted to go up there and 
share our joy because, you know, when you're in Christ, you don't have to be sad when someone dies because it's not over. It's just the next thing. The body may not may stop working, but your soul lives. And by the way, our soul always lives, but it just, we know where we're going. And I'm happy for mom. I'm happy. She gets to be with Jesus and she gets to see her mom again, who she loved and adored. She gets to see my dad, my sister Renata. She gets to see Lee. Dang it. I'm a little jealous. I have to be honest. But all three of us spoke of the same thing. We all spoke of what, when we think of her, what do we think of? When we think of love. My mom loved hard. She loved hard. And I remember growing up, she didn't let us fight. I mean, we would fight, you know, here and there, but she didn't let us like really get mad and go at it. And she would, you know, stop and say, stop. You are going to love your sister. She is good. She's going to be your friend forever, you know, and she would say these things and and as mad as I would be, you know, or whatever, um, I was kind of the baby. I really didn't get to get mad. They got mad at me, you know. But um, she's, I mean, I, I adore my sisters. I love them. They're my best people. And, uh, you know, it, it, we all spoke of that love, which I thought was so cool. We all spoke of, well, Kimmy and I, we, we didn't talk about this, but mom is responsible for introducing me to Jesus. There is nothing more important than that, they took us to church, a very loving, you know, church that just wasn't about like, you know, rituals and, you know, let's do this. You know, it was about having a real relationship with Jesus and where we find him and, and where he's waiting on us. And they, her and my dad are responsible for that introduction. And there's no, no better legacy than that of love and the introduction to Jesus. And we all spoke about that. It was very, I mean, I, I cried, but it was very hard to feel devastated and super sad because what a, what a beautiful life. Lee, like I think about when Lee passed, God, I hate that that man's gone. Oh God, I miss him so desperately. But I had nothing but such happy things to think of him because he did it right. He worked hard. He messed up plenty in the years before I met him and as did I. And we spoke about that to each other often, but... We did it right when we were with each other and in our family, and I praise God for that. What a cool legacy for both of them. Let me end today, because I want, I know this is a little bit longer than normal, but I want to share with you what I read, because I think it's very impactful. And this kind of sums things up for me. My love goes on forever. I'm good, and my love goes on forever, so thank me and praise me. My perfect goodness means I'll always do what is best for you and for my glory. If there's even a speck of badness in me, that would be bad, but there's not. You may not understand everything that happens, but I promise to use everything for your good. It takes great faith to trust me when you see such sad and terrible things happen. But you must live by what you believe about me, not what you see in this world. One of the best ways to strengthen your belief is to praise me. Praise takes your thoughts away from the things of this world and puts them on the wonderful treasure of me. The praises of my people are my throne. The more, we, the more you praise me, the closer you'll become to me. Remember, my love continues forever. Psalms 104 and 5. Come into the city with songs of thanksgiving. Come into his courts with songs of praise. Thank him and praise his name. The Lord is good. His love continues forever. His loyalty continues from now on.
We live by what we believe, not by what we see, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. You sit as the Holy One. The praises of Israel are your throne, Psalm 22, 3. Give thanks to the Lord because He is good. His love continues forever. Give thanks to the God over all other little gods. His love continues forever. Give thanks to the Lord of all lords. His love continues forever. Psalms 136, 1 through 3. I shared that because that is what I know to be true and that is what I believe. I'm going to be really sad without my mom. I picked up my phone multiple times to check on her and wonder why she hadn't called me or texted me or sent me something ridiculous. And I realized she doesn't have reception in heaven. So I can't text her. She can't text me at the moment, but I'll see her again. And I, I'm thankful for that woman. She was a good mom. She raised five kids, weird and quirky and unique. And one thing my mom said that she would not allow us to do that she did her whole life was to be timid, to be afraid of who she was, to hide who she was and to not let her light shine before men. And she may have overcorrected with some of us. Hey, but she said, I want you to do all the things you want to do. And she did her best to let us do, you know, dance and piano and cheerleading and whatever we wanted. And while there was plenty of things I'm sure she didn't like that we did, I remember doing stuff in front of her and dancing and, and, and reciting things because I was in drama, judge me all you want, and reciting my, you know, what I had to memorize. And she heard just with the biggest smile on her face. And I remember that. And um, I love her for that. Let me pray. Oh, Jesus God, I love you. I thank you for that woman. I thank you for the team that her and my dad made. What a beautiful love they not only had for each other, but for you. Their foundation was based on you. And all of the ups and downs and all of the times things were going well and not well, you were always there. You were always the foundation. And I asked for that for me and my family. Lord, I praise you. Please forgive me my sins as I come to you. I lift up everyone listening. I pray that I can share mom's celebration of life. And I thank you for all the people that not only made the drive to be there, but that said, I feel uplifted leaving here instead of down. Thank you, sweet Jesus, that you give us hope even in death because it's not a real death. It's not a forever death. It's just the earthly body doesn't work anymore. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you that it's true. Thank you that we can live by what we believe and not what we see. Because yeah, this world's messed up. And there's a lot of evil and a lot of twisted, twisted untruths, God. But with you and your word and us always coming back to you, we'll always know what is truth and what's not. I lift up my children, Lord God. I lift them up as we go through seasons and seasons and seasons without Lee is so hard. I lift up our future, Lord God, and I thank you for mom. Thank you, she's not hurting anymore. Lord, I feel like a, a chapter has turned. And I celebrate her, Lord Jesus, but I celebrate that you lived in her. It's in your precious name I pray, amen. Amen.